Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Keepers of the Book. I'm your host, Maz, joined here by my co-host, Mutahir, and this is uh, Mistborn Book 3, Hero of Ages, chapters 27 through 33. We'll be finishing off part 2, called The Cloth and Glass. So, yeah, this uh, there's a it's very clear that the plot is like moving along. There's not a lot of like downtime. If the perspective switches, it's kind of like welcome because it's almost like a walking dead kind of thing, right? Where walking dead, it would kind of switch perspectives because it didn't know where to do with some, what to do with certain like plot lines. It felt like, whereas here it's like, it advances one plot line and then leaves you in a cliffhanger and then jumps somewhere else. Um, Except Walking Dead sucks. Yeah, that too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, this one had quite a few different um, perspectives, so I'm excited to get into it. Indeed, my friend. Chapter 27. Uh, Vin is going into Fadrex uh, because they have a Ooh, few informants. One second, before you start, we have to talk about the Oso... Spectacular epigraphs. So this again is a lot of these epigraphs are not really relevant to the actual plot, uh, is what I'm picking up. But they are like sweet, sweet world building protein. Um, uh-huh. Like so, this one is just talking about that the Lord Ruler he modeled different pieces of his whole society after different parts, like or different religions, I should say. So he modeled the ska after the slave people of the Kanzi. The terror stewards out to the servant class of. I actually I have it here in my notes as tail, but I don't think that that's actually right. I think that's actually a typo. Um, or Whenever you Ar- say Ar-tan. Ponzi, I think Ponzi. Yeah, there's a bunch of Ponzi schemes. That's why they were slaves. They Ponzi schemed the people into slavery. Dude, did you uh, know that the dude's son actually uh, committed suicide because? Of how because of all the hate he got, yeah, and how guilty he felt. That's I did not know that. That's crazy. Because like basically his entire family was a part of it. Interesting. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so the obligators were modeled after the bureaucratic mercantile system of Holland, um, and he cared less about faith and more about stability and loyalty, which I thought was interesting considering he had the whole obligator system mm-hmm. um, that seemed like his priests or whatever. But I feel like that. I think religions. Faith, no, I think uh, faith breeds stability. Yeah. I was actually just about to say that it was like the whole religion system was his way of kind of, making the rule-based system a little bit more like ingrained within the person, right? Like you're more open to doing this if mm-hmm. you got what I'm saying. So, yeah. Um, so uh, basically what we saw earlier in the previous chapters was that Set had found a few informants uh, to help them out. Basically, and so we see Vin going to Fadrick's, and uh, she meets this one dude named Slow Swift. He was actually like, uh, I think it's Snow Swift, right? Or is it Slow? Slow Swift, yeah. Is it really? Yeah. I uh, can't be right. I don't believe you. 
You're right. It's slow swift. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like he's a pretty chill dude. You know, I'd I'd hang with him. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah. He seemed um, he seemed like a guy who just like sits back, smokes his pipe, and just watches like kids play in the street or whatever. Like, yeah, that wise old man who lives in your neighborhood. Yeah, I didn't have one of those. This but imagine if I did, it'd be like low swift. <laughs> uh, and, and for some reason, at first, he doesn't really want to uh, want to say anything to to Vin. Um, but then he says that Yeoman's like an actual good dude because he gives people what they wanted, which was stability. Um, and even though. Even if it meant going back to the way that it was in the Lord Ruler's times, people wanted stability over freedom. Even though, yeah, yeah. It's... So I mean, that I feel like that was kind of like a theme in Well of Ascension as well, right? That um, you can give someone freedom, but they'd rather crave. I th- I don't know if it's one or the other. I think I personally think it's more of a combination of the two, where it's. Uh, it's not just something that's similar to something that's familiar to them. It's also because it gives them a a sense of stability. Um, Mm -hmm. Um, And Vin looks over uh, and she sees like these people having a ball even though they're literally being sieged on and like the world is ending and they're having a ball. And that is consistent with the way that Yeoman is ruling the people in the way that they would rather have things the way they were before than change, which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, people don't like, um, people don't like change. You know, they they like things being the same. I, I think even in real life, right? Like people will talk about it. Like you know, I, I'm open to change. I I like uh, new things. It's like you you don't though. You know, you you have a certain like spectrum. Your spectrum might be a little bit wider than other people, but I don't think most people actually truly like change. Yeah, most people like their schedule being relatively the same, even if that schedule could be like going to different places or trying out different things, but that even that in a way is kind of a sense of familiarity, you know, mm-hmm. take that away from them. And people don't like that. And, um, also like the world isn't that good right now. <laughs> yeah. With all the missed stuff. So, yeah, so he ba- uh, she basically convinces him because of that, right? Yeah. Uh, and so um, Yeoman, he he has like a bunch of money, just like they don't, we don't know why, but uh, he just has like a bunch of money that's supporting the city, and that's basically all the information that we get out of this. Yeah. So, what do you think it is? Vin thinks it's the ATM cash. I think she's dumb, and you, she's usually wrong about things. So maybe I don't think it's uh, the maybe he's pulling a justice and has wooden coins. 
Or, if, some, or work. Some, if that works on people, those are some retarded people. Or his own currency. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's like all we really get from from Slow Swift. She goes, she pays him, and this is kind of a cop out. Whatever, whatever happens here, it's like. She's about to talk to Hoyd, which is the person I've been waiting for since book one. And then... And then she runs away from him. Yay! I was like, oh my god. Next time. The biggest cop-out ever. Yeah, it was... Why couldn't we just hear him talk? What was the problem? God. Yeah, that was... I think... Which one do you think he's gonna show up on, or have show up? Not just show up, but like, like where we actually get to know a bit about him. Are you thinking, like, I don't even know, uh, Warbreaker, Mistborn Era Two, maybe? I mean, you think Stormlight is where he's gonna show up the most? Yeah, I think so. Because yeah, Stormlight uh, seems to be the center of everything. So I mean, I guess yeah, because that's like cool. Atlantis, that's just like a one-off book. Warbreaker's a one-off book. Mistborn Era Two isn't really like it's kind of like a smaller series. And you know, we saw we, he has like two lines in this series. So I feel like in Stormlight, he's gonna have maybe even a role in the story. Who knows? But yeah, we don't know. <laughs> unfortunately not yet uh so yeah she hears a scary spirit and then she runs away and she actually like uh so she has this cool thing where she's running away um and she like suddenly pushes extremely hard uh the opposite direction she's running so that she can see whoever is chasing her and then it just like disappears which is like pretty weird uh kind of creepy and so she comes back in chapter 28. She comes back and uh, while Ellen's writing the letter to Yeoman, uh, she's telling him about, she's telling Ellen about the Miss Spirit returning. And Ellen is basically like, yo, the world's ending and I want to help you not make it end. And... And then Vin is like, yeah, we should do that, but we can't say that. I mean, we can't say Yeah, we can't talk to you. Okay, so... How do you fight an omnipresent being when you can't say anything to the only people So, I guess you uh, Ruin cannot change what's written in metal, right? But can he see what's written in metal? Because I started thinking, wait a second, why don't they just write it on metal? But then I'm like, wait. He can, he might still be able to read it. He just can't change it. So, do we know yeah. for sure that he can just like not change it, or yeah, that he can just not change it, but he still can read it? We don't know for sure, but he probably can. Or maybe not, because the location of the storage caches. Oh, big brain time! The location okay. of the storage caches. Were written in metal, correct? Yeah. Okay. And okay, this is gonna take a little bit of context. Remember that one dummy head from last book, uh, Ellen's brother. Are you <laughs> Zane? Yeah, Zane. Uh, he it's it's assumed that he 
was manipulated from by Rune the whole time. Okay. Correct? To yeah. get Ben away. So Ruin, if he knew the location of these storage caches, then he would have done something, whether it be uh, influence another person or like mind control somebody to go after these caches or something like that. Because there's obviously something very important in these caches. And if he knew where the cache was, then he would go over there and do something about it. Or he would make someone go over there and do something about it. Like send his like thirty inquisitors that he has. Uh, I don't know where they are. I'm pretty sure they're like killing terrorismen. But yeah, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So no, I don't think he can read what's on metal, but we don't know for sure. My conclusion. Okay. Right. But then if he can't read metal, then they should be able to just talk to each other. No, I understand it's probably like super inconvenient, right? Like But they don't they don't know too. They don't think like I right. do. Right, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They don't think like like me, you know? Because if they did, then they would have figured out that Lord Ruler was a terrorist. Like me. But they didn't. And yeah. they would have figured out that the imposter was the dog the whole time, but they didn't. <sighs> All right, that's good. What are we on? 29 now? Yep. Oh, no, we're still on 28. Uh, oh, you have more. Yeah, okay. a little bit at the end. So Ellen says that like he wants diplomacy to work. But he he he's being realistic and it's like, yeah, we're probably gonna have to attack. And then Vin is like, Hey, let's go to a ball again, yay. And then Vin Please never like, do that again. I don't have a dress. And then it was like I I did not like the ending of that chapter. It was like that is yeah. so silly. That was stupid. That yeah, that, that reminded me of like the the silly anime scenes. I didn't like it. It does kind of feel like that, right? Where it's just like, okay, we're just going to inject. Like, just like it, it did feel like, you know, something like an out of anime. You have like something active going on and then character kind of gets, I mean, it's within character. I'm not going to act like it's not, but it felt kind of annoying that, you know. If I have to witness one more ball, I'm going to blow my brains out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Be prepared to blow your brains out, I guess. And again, because we got another one coming up and then probably the next section that we're gonna read. Um, but I will say also that um he Ellen talks about investigating uh that he, he's gonna investigate the whole sixteen percent thing. Um I think I'm really oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you can go. No, I was just saying that like I that's gonna turn off something really crazy. I and I, I, I have no clue what it is. Don't you remember Correct. my prediction? What What is your prediction? Oh, that has something uh, to do with sixteen, like metals. Metals. Okay. Um. Yeah. But I mean, again, like, what does that have to do with mist? What is it like? Killing or? Oh, I don't know. It's just like an Easter egg. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's like, huh, what number can I use? Oh, let me use 16 <laughs> as a convenient number. <laughs> or maybe. Yeah, I got nothing. Wow. Like you had something and then you like did it. Well, I was going to say like maybe like uh, he. How do I put this in words? You cannot go above the percentage of the amount of metals there are. So he has a limit. He cannot do 16 of something. You know how... Oh, I'm not going to say that's Attack on Time spoilers. But... <laughs> um, yeah, maybe it's just like a fantasy thing. You know uh, uh, Harry Potter, where if you turn 18, then you lose a love spell? It's just kind of like a, a number that the Was author... it a love spell? I thought it was like... I... Is it a love spell? I thought you lose a trace. Or whatever. I'm pretty sure don't you lose a protection. Yeah, isn't um, that the trace? Like where they... Like you can't you cast... More than I do, so... <laughs> why would that be? Uh, why you, you can't cast like... Uh... You know what I mean, right? Like you couldn't, you weren't able to cast like spells outside of school, and then after eighteen, it kind of just gets removed automatically. No, no, I'm talking about the uh, the love spell that Harry's mom put on him whenever she died. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I'm I don't just, remember what I, about that. What I'm just trying to say is that the they're just it's just a number that the author comes up with for uh harry potter's it was just happened to be the amount the age where you become a quote-unquote adult i'm 18 i don't feel like an adult but yeah whenever you become a quote-unquote adult and hey man i'm a, not 18 i definitely don't feel like an adult <laughs> and <laughs> and uh i guess in this case Sanderson's number is 16 because that's the amount of alleged medals based on my 1,000 IQ predictions. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We will. <laughs> you are right. <laughs> Where am I? Chapter 29. Uh, so Seized, Breeze, Ar- I have no idea why Ariane is in this show. Show in this uh, in this book, she's, she's all I like. All around, she's like I like her. She, do you know that one? Uh, I like her better than Vin, to be honest. Vin is yeah, she's a uh, because some. like all around, right? Like she's just like she's kind of manipulative, but at the same time, you can tell she's actually a good person. But she doesn't let that show a lot, like Breeze. But Breeze is a bit different. Even then, like, I don't, and I don't even know how to explain why. He just is. I just don't like that she called Breeze Breezy, like uh, Juan Juan from Harry Potter. Yeah, dude, that's literally <laughs> the first thing I thought of whenever I, like, when I was first reading and she popped up, I was like, holy crap, it's her. <laughs> what was it's it, Lavender? Yeah, yeah. Lavender. <laughs> Thank God. Um, 
And so basically they visit the citizen uh, and he does not care what they have to say. And yeah, dude, I man, um, for what it's worth, the citizen's voice actor in graphic audio, he's amazing. Um, just wanted to throw it out there and because I, I was listening to this scene um, on graphic audio and it's dude, it's good. Like he, he does a great job. Are the rest of the voice actors good? Um, Say Zed is phenomenal. Say Zed's voice actor is amazing. Is he Breeze uh, is like really a, good? Is Say Zed like a deep voice guy? Uh, it's deep, but it's like a wise kind of guy. It, it's I perfect. Like, a lo- go ahead. Sorry. No, uh, I wanted it to sound like uh, the villain in the Daredevil movie. You know what I'm talking about? Kingpin. Yeah, in the in the no. movie though, that one. Uh, oh, the black like, one. Yeah, dude, yeah. that he he does have an awesome voice. That gravelly voice is amazing. I'm pretty um, sure he's dead. The actor. Yeah, yeah, he died. Uh, so yeah, all the voice actors, but the one that stood out for me was probably like Breeze. Um, says that's of of the main cast. Says that's probably the best, like the most. I would say that uh, made sense. I guess would be the right term. Uh-huh. Um, let's see what else. Yeah, I mean, in general, like uh, the citizens, his was amazing, like really amazing. How's Ham? Ham's was good. Um, it, it fit, but it like Ham's voice, like the if you think about the Ham's voice in your head, right? At least to me, it's kind of generic. Yeah. So. Oh, what about Hoyd? Did you listen to Hoyd? Uh, I haven't gotten to that part. I just remember uh, Citizen's voice because it's when I, where I'm re- listening to it on graphic audio. I'm like much further back. It was from a few chapters ago when I heard Citizen's voice. So, but actually, I don't know Hoyd's voice. Yeah, it didn't show up in this book, right? It shows up in Final Empire, so I'll have to. I did, but I didn't listen to it all the way through. Understand, I, I listened to these books after I read them myself because I have a hard time keeping up with audiobooks just if I'm reading a book for the first time. So um, I like listening to graphic audio for books that I'm going to reread. No, no, go ahead. He doesn't speak super fast, um, but he does. Yeah, his voice does get more intense. You can tell that the it, it the, what I love about graphic audio is a sense of atmosphere. Um, it when they say it's like a movie in your mind, it really is right. Uh, because books are very, especially well written books, are very well described. Right, uh, the imagery is amazing. Me personally, I am god awful at imagery because a lot of the details passes right over my head like white marble ceiling with gold lacquered uh, cracks and i I can't i can my mind is just like all right i'm throwing this information right as soon as i read it um with graphic audio uh the narrator paired up with like the the voice actors and then the the thumps and the sound effects it just it really does feel like a movie in your mind So, yeah, again, 
I am a graphic audio stan. I hope maybe one day. Uh, who knows? <laughs> I got it from uh, RMMA. <laughs> but yeah, I'm. A... Oh, is it really? Is that where it comes from? Oh. Okay. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm a graphic audio stand, right? So, like, I'm hope maybe one day, who knows? Graphic audio might sponsor this show. I'd be that'd be cool, or if not sponsor, but like something that'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, chapter twenty nine. Aubryon here the video. That was a double negative. What you you think he's lying? Or you don't think he's uh, serious about his? Okay, okay. I personally think that he actually does believe what he says. Yeah. Yeah, and that sea has uh, water from the canal, which apparently is like massive. Uh, he's I, I did okay. So I don't think the other caches were this big, right? Because the way that they made it sound like I, I'm I'm thinking of like you know Atlantis under the ground, basically, is what I'm thinking. Again, I'm exaggerating, but they made it sound like it's a massive cave underground. So I'm thinking if this is where all the water is underground, was he hoping that this would be where survivors would be, would be this particular cache? Yeah, I mean, what would you do with water? You drink it. Um Oh, that's true. Still not enough. There, there's, there has to be more, which we will find out. And actually, we got a, a question to an answer. We, um, 
we've been asking for some time now, but we'll get to that in a second. So chapter 30 basically kicks off with the epigraphs of Rorschach destroying a terrorist religion to quell the prophecies of the hero of the ages, which I thought was really smart. And earlier epigraphs, we didn't go over them, but we can just go over them really quick. He, um, Lord Ruler had destroyed the uh, any technological advancement that was possible, mostly to keep the... It's easier to suppress people, right, if they don't have access to guns, right? So he kept it in the bow and arrow era, but it also felt like he was kind of like a, a boomer. Um, he he wanted to keep everything the same, right? Like fashion and agricultural methods and, uh, I don't know, architecture and stuff like that. So it was like one of those things, like, it sounds like Lord Ruler was like, back in my day, but he just kept back in my day every day. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, chapter 30's uh, epigraph was really cool, talking about how Rashik destroyed the religions, the t- his own people's religion, just to um, quell any prophecies of the hero ages. But it, he didn't, it didn't work out because it seems like everyone knows about the prophecy anyways. No, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it is, but it's, um, could you imagine if we get to the end and there is no actual hero ages like that? Like that was actually never even a prophecy. Like that. It's just, it's no hero ages. There's just no savior. Same. <laughs> Cause I legit started thinking that I was like, you know, I think I don't. Uh, what if there's just no one? You know, like what if the the uh, what's the th- what's the word? Like the the lesson is is oh we're um we're all special, right? You don't need to wait for a savior to save you. <laughs> but yeah, it's man that that would be a gut a gut punch in my opinion. I, I don't think it would work out well for him as an actual author to go that way. I feel like that's one of those subverting expectations that doesn't actually work out well. <laughs> Game of Thrones season 8. Yeah, I'll be honest. When I first read it, I, I didn't mind his whole mopiness, but now I'm I'm minding it. <laughs> you know like it's getting on my nerves like all right let's move along now dude so uh i don't know about one drive i just use a one note um app and then yeah okay so, yeah, chapter 30, um, after the epigraph. This, I really didn't like this part. Um, Ellen is getting ready to go to the ball, and none of the crew is even trying to talk him out of it. And <laughs> uh, Ham's just like, well, you basically did the same thing earlier, right? When you went to meet with... Uh, and then you didn't even have, you know, uh, Mistborn powers. 
And he makes a good point, right? Like you went into a camp full of Coloss without Mistborn powers alone. This time you're going with Vin and you have Mistborn powers and you're not going against Coloss. Like it's not the big of a deal, guy. And I like how like Ham kind of just shut him down. He's like, you know, slow down, slow your roll, buddy. Like you're not that heroic. <laughs> That that's the vibe I got for a second. I was like, "Ooh, Ellen's starting to feel like he he Kelsier now," you know. Um. So, yeah. So, uh, Vin and Ham are talking, and apparently, and I, I like how Sanderson did this. Vin joined the crew five years ago. That did that catch you off guard? Vin, she said, like, she said to Ham, right? Like, you know, uh, Ham, it's been five years. I was like, holy crap. And it makes sense, right? Because she was with Kelsey for like almost a year. Like, there was like a whole training time window, which lasted for like three or four months, and another two months there, and another three months there. And you're talking like the whole Miss Warren Final Empire was over the course of a year. And then I think it was like, a year after that was the start of Well of Ascension, so that's two years. And then Well of Ascension, the whole process was a whole year, that's three years. And then hmm. Is the start of here ages? I think it's been at least a year. So you're talking at least four. So you're talking, yeah, almost five years. I could see that. Dang, that's crazy. Yeah. Time flies when you're when someone else is doing all the work. <laughs> so, anyways, they arrive at the ball and like they they're one of those people. I, I like how he worded this with the whole, you know, it caused like a ruckus and a conversation started and like everyone's like, and then like at first they're all dead silent and looking at them and like whispers and stuff. It's like those people, like those high class celebrities that arrive fashionably late. Um, yeah, and Yeoman is like Ellen's age, which I thought was, uh, I, did you think Ellen was going to be like in his thirties or maybe like Kelsier's age or something like that? I was not expecting a guy like mid twenties. In the thir- yeah, late 30s, mid 40s, maybe 50s, or in America's case these days, 70s. Uh, and let's see. Yeah, so Vin and Ellen start to kind of separate in their party, or yeah, in the party they separate and. Vin's, I like how she goes about this. She starts like sawing like dissent and fear and like she plays a spy really well, right? And it's funny because they know she's not from their side and she's still playing the role of a spy really well. Because if you look like she was talking about how, you know, we got the army and we're going to conquer you and stuff like that, like she does it really well. And she basically slapped around Lady Patterson, who's, I guess, Shana Lario's cousin, which, that was cool. Uh, 
And then the women who are around Patterson get scared and starts um, like, you know, showing Vin around, which it's, I guess that shows like the growth in Vin's character, right? Because even back then when she was a fully trained Mistborn, she was still kind of unsure of herself and let Ilario walk all over her. So this was a nice step up. So chapter 31. Um, yep. Yeah, and now other useless Mistborn who died like right away. Yeah. Yeah, so chapter 31. Um, the epigraph talks about, and this one was really interesting, that Rashak wore both black and white to try and show that he was of both ruin and preservation. One question. Oh, well, first question. Uh, who are you showing that to? Yeah, like, I mean, like, are you, yeah, exactly, right? Like, are you showing it to ruin? Are you showing it to preservation? Are you showing it to the people who don't even know what ruin and preservation is? Like, like it's like being symbolic, but then no one even being around to appreciate your symbolism. Ooh, yeah, that's true. No one knows why. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but apparently it's false. He actually had only... T- okay, so this is where it gets really interesting. Like, it feels like a throwaway line, but I don't think it is. Apparently it's false that he was of both ruin and preservation because he had only touched one power in only a small amount of it. So a small amount of it, that doesn't bother me. Uh, whatever. I, I don't know what to make much of that. But he only touched one power. So the Will of Ascension, that's preservation's power. That's imprisoning him, right? So is he touching preservation's power? Because he said, right, like early epigraphs, it was said that um, Rashek was... Because he had the power of preservation, he couldn't actually, like, he was more on the reactive rather than the active. So, that means, I wonder if someone would be able to find a way to touch Ruin's power. Not that it would really do them any good, because by, to my understanding, by definition, Ruin's power can really only destroy or do something for the purpose of destroying. Yeah. So, and like, yeah. So he created like hemolurgy, right? So he, so people can say, okay, well, he created that. Yeah. But he created that for the purpose of destroying more. So, yeah. Um, I, I, the only reason I bring this up as being significant is I wonder if there's going to be like, if this is like setting the ground for someone in the future being able to touch the power of ruin. Okay. And if so, where do you touch that power? Like, where do you go to grab that, right? The Well of Ascension, fine. That's preservation's power. But where is Ruin's power now? Is there a man- Is it manifested somewhere? Ooh, the Fog of War. Okay. I'm in. We got to go to the Fog of War. So, anyways, um, 
this is Sezed and Co being back in Orteo. And he's just confirmed that Lord Ruler moved the water into the cavern, which I thought we you know we, t- we discussed that already about like you know what the purpose of it was. And Sezed says that the citizens' views aren't outlandish, right? And I wanted to bring this up. Um, I guess now would be a good time. Um, when he was talking to the citizen, he brought up a good point, right? Like the citizen said that the Ellen that Ellen is like a tyrant. And if you really think about it from his perspective, based off the word and the news that they're getting, and it's not even like what they're getting is false, right? It may not have the full context, but it's not wrong. He put up a diplomat or democratic government. They voted him out, and then he seized power anyway using his mistborn wife, who killed his, who killed the opposing faction, aka Strathventure, and forcefully subjugated the remaining opposing factions, like first in Penrod and then Set, and what was remaining of Strathventure's army. So, basically, allowing Ellen to seize power. So, yeah. The citizen isn't wrong. You know? And that's why Cesar was saying, it's like, you know, he's technically right. And um, <laughs> could you imagine his face? He's like, Ellen Venture is a tyrant. And Cesar's face is like, <laughs> like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> but again, you know, like, I, I'm not saying that Ellen's a bad guy or that he is a tyrant. But he is authoritarian. He literally is an emperor, right? He has absolute control. If he wanted, he could kick people out of their homes if he wanted, right? He is an authoritarian leader. Um now we can go back and forth all day whether or not it's necessary, and I don't disagree. I do think in this situation it's necessary, but you know, when you've been under the nobility's thumb for thousands of years and then you finally get a taste of freedom and then you know the ska kelsier who overthrows a noble 